Lowe's knows you'll do it right to find the right gifts for dad this Father's Day. We do it right, too, with deals that'll make dad as proud as his perfectly seared steak and his perfectly manicured lawn. Now get a Charbroil 4-Burner Advantage Series gas grill for just $169 and pick up your choice of Craftsman gas or electric string trimmer for only $99 each. Make this Father's Day his best one yet and do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Charbroil offer valid through 612. Craftsman offer valid through 619 U.S. only. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Oh, what a great audience. Let's dim the lights for this next one. Nope, too much. Ah, there it is. Gotta get things just right. Like Progressive's Name Your Price tool. Tell us what you want to pay and we help you find coverage options that fit your budget. And now, the mood is right. Wait, the lights are back on again. Trudy, can you? And now it's completely dark. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the Tour Junkies Fantasy Golf Podcast presented by 18 Birdies, the number one golf app in app stores everywhere. This is the RBC Heritage. Let's get to it. What's up, golf addicts? Thanks for downloading the Tour Junkies Fantasy Golf Podcast. Pat and I are in Masters Week hangover mode for the Heritage, but we've done a good job on this one. We've researched. We think it's the best Harbor Town podcast we've had since we started. We've got a special guest interview this week. It is PGA Tour caddy William Lanier, who's on the bag for Wesley Bryan and was on the bag for Wesley Bryan last year when he won this very tournament at Harbortown. So uh, William Lanier is going to give us some insight, talk to us a little, about, a little bit about the golf course and what's important to play well here. And, of course, Pat and I are going to come in hot with some picks and some cash plays as well. And we're going to recap the Masters. We're going to talk a little bit about the Masters. We're going to break down the Millie Maker winning lineup. And we're just going to have some good old clean fun. So we hope you guys enjoy the show. As always, presented by 18 Birdies. Listen, if you play betting games with your friends, whether it's Wolf, it's Nassau, it's whatever, any of those betting games, 18 Birdies makes it super easy. All you got to do is plug in the handicaps, plug in your guys, write down the normal scores. 18 Birdies figures out all the rest. It is that easy. You don't have to worry about figuring up the totals and points and all that. 18 Birdies does it for you. You can download it now in the App Store uh, with the promo code TOURJUNKIES. All one word. You get a free year of premium access. So you want to check that out. For now, enjoy the podcast. May your screens be green. What's going on, Golf Addicts? The Tour Junkies Fantasy Golf Podcast is back. It is one of the worst weeks of the year. It is the week after Masters Week. It's the week where it's like when you're a kid after Christmas and you realize you have 51 more weeks before you experience what you just experienced. And although you're looking forward to you know, continuing and playing with your new toys and all this kind of stuff. You're you're you long for the excitement of what just passed your way. And Pat, that is my sense. I have a strong feeling that is your sense. We had a phenomenal Masters Week, buddy. And uh, but we, you know, the, the job duty calls, right? Duty calls. And for three years now, this is our this was our third Masters podcast. And for three years now, we've had to follow it up with the RBC Heritage podcast. And as long as we're doing this. The RBC Heritage will never get the Tour Junkies enthusiasm, energy, and just honestly effort um, 
That's true. You know, it's sad too because it's such it's a sad. great tournament. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 got a good, you know, pretty decent field most of the time. Now you do have some guys that have just played in the Masters that, that don't play, but I mean for me, I mean it's just up the road for both of us really over in Hilton Head. It's 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 a fun tournament to go to if you've never been. It really is a lot of fun. It's obviously a lot different than the Masters, but yeah, it's sad. We're just not going to give it that much uh attention but uh, i mean you know we'll give it attention but it's just not like we do for the masters and it's always there's always a letdown you know after the Masters, it's a letdown that's what it is yeah 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 and it it happens beyond just fantasy golf it happens in real golf real life right like it is a great tournament you know the players we talk to the 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 friends we know that have gone they all say man it's a great tournament you ought to bring your family you and i both have spent a lot of time in hilton head it's a lovely place it's a great place for the family it would be a great place to bring the family but after a week like master's week when you live here it's just impossible you can't do it so i've never been to the heritage even though it's in my backyard um I just because Masters Week is always such a deal. There's no way. There's yeah. no way. So you know it is what it is. We now that being said, we've done some good research. I have done some good research this week, and I actually really like the field and I like the pricing this week. I'm going to be playing a good bit. Um, and we have a special guest interview for you that will be playing here in just a few minutes. It is William Lanier. He is a PGA Tour caddy. First time on the podcast. And uh, he actually caddies for the defending champ of the RBC Heritage, Mr. Wesley Bryan. So we talked to William today. He had, he had been on the golf course. He's seen the golf course, obviously quite familiar with it. Uh, we talked to William about a few things, life on tours, a caddy, a little side gig he's got, and, of course, the Heritage and Wesley Bryan and some other guys that may fit the golf course. So we'll play that for you here in just a little bit. That, that helps supplement um for me and pat so we hope you guys will enjoy that but before we get into that we got to give a quick recap here for the masters um patrick reed the the polarizing patrick reed captain america holds off in an incredible record breaking round from jordan spieth and a, a late back nine surge from ricky fowler to win the masters by one shot making him a first time major winner um, Pat, you and I had an incredible week. We had a lot of fun. I, I, I really want to thank Fantasy Draft, our friends over at Fantasy Draft. I want to thank Roto Grinders for the Road to Augusta contest. It was an absolute success, a total blast. And the listener that won, Mr. David Burt, could not have been cooler and more easygoing and appreciative. I mean, he's, he's texted and DM like a dozen times talking about how grateful he is. Um, and he was a delight to spend about 48 hours with from Thursday to uh, late Friday night. Um, it was a good time. A lot of fun. Great guy. Really could not have asked for a better winner. He had, you know, I know, you know, just walking in with him on uh, – on Friday morning, you could tell how special it was for him. And, and I, I can't tell you how many times he said, I, I, I'm at the Masters. I, I cannot believe this. I'm at the Masters. You know, when he walked out on the course, all I could do was just look straight at his face because just, you just want to see. I mean, that's the, the thing. We talk about this a lot. But for me, you know, having having gone so many years, the the most special thing is taking someone out there for the first time. And so it was really cool that, that, that to, to watch that again. And it was fun. It was a... We had a good time. It was a it was a beautiful day on Friday. So 
It just was it was good. I'm with you. You can't thank Roto Grinders and especially Fantasy Draft enough. Um just a awesome contest. Yeah, um and David, of course, you know, as promised, was delivered the full Tour Junkies experience uh Friday night. It was a good time. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, you had a good time. We'll just gloss. We'll just gloss over that, Pat. We'll gloss over. Yeah, that. we, we can had, gloss. Over. We don't need to rehash all of that. There's a lot of fun stuff, but I mean, with thoughts on thoughts on the tournament, thoughts on Reed. There, there's been a ton of media going around, obviously about his estranged relationship with his parents and his sister and his uh, his personality and and um, you know maybe the lack of patron support that was felt and heard at Augusta yesterday. Um, any thoughts was, Any thoughts from you? I, I, that was real. I mean, if you're watching it at the end when he, when he put that putt in to win, I, I've, it is not. I mean, you and I and, you know, a lot of the listeners out there have seen, oh, you look at Sergio last year. I mean, there was true elation and excitement in that crowd for a guy who battled for that for so long. And even, like, the emotion from, like, Angela Garcia when he won and how proud she was of him and all that kind of stuff after all. I, I don't know with Justine and, and Reed and all that. It just, I don't know. Just didn't, something was off. Just didn't see. It wasn't as magical as you see a lot of the endings, you know, to the Masters. But you got to give Patrick credit. I mean, the guy had the best in the world trying to chase him down. And he played aggressive. He did exactly what he needed to do all day long. You know, when you got Jordan Spieth, Ricky Fowler, Rory's right there, even though he, you know, really just made a lot of mistakes early on that I think killed his round. You know, I mean, Reed, you can't, you got to give the guy credit. I mean, you can like him or not like him, but he deserved to win the tournament. Yes, he had some luck. I think you could probably say that. But, you know, it's... It's hard to say that he didn't deserve it. I get that he's a polarizing guy and there's all this stuff in his past. I think at a moment like that, you really try to, fo- you don't really focus on that, but it seems like writers like to do that and that's, that's fine. But um, all in all, it was, it was a great Sunday at, at, you know, in Augusta. I mean, you couldn't have asked for anything better. I mean, Jordan doing what he was doing was just incredible. <laughs> it was just so much fun to watch. And I was, I was, not pulling for Reed, I, I totally will admit that, but I, I got to give the guy credit. Yeah, I think you're 100 percent right. He he, t- he he won the golf tournament. He he did what he had to do. He played the way he needed to play to win the golf tournament, and he held off some of the best. Um, he clearly has Rory McIlroy's number in a match play type feel format. I know yesterday wasn't a match play, even though we wanted to talk like it was. And it quickly became not a match play because Rory put himself out of it after the front side. And but but what I mean is just in the same group. Like there's something about Reed that Rory can't handle right now. Um, and we felt it two years ago live on the grounds at Hazeltine. Uh, it's a it's an interesting feeling. And Patrick Reed, yeah, I mean he's a gutsy gutsy competitor. And in some ways, you know. Um, <laughs> The guy was was destined to not be cheered for. He's going up against Ricky Fowler, who is our modern-day Arnold Palmer, who everyone loves, 
who has not won a major, who has come close many times before, including at Augusta. He's going against Jordan Spieth, the Golden Child Masters champion, breaking a record. He's going against Rory McIlroy, who, you know, even us Americans enjoy Rory McIlroy every week out of the year, except for, uh, you know, once every two years at the Ryder Cup. <laughs> yeah. um, and we can't and forget it, Rom. We cannot forget and, and Rom. Rom. And I, mean, I, was, but, I have to admit, I was wrong on that. I did not think that he was going to. Now, I thought he'd make the cut and do all that, but I didn't think he was going to contend. But, he, but he's but, up there, but too. what I'm saying is he's going against fan favorites. Rom's not yeah. necessarily a fan he's favorite He's not right yet, now. but, but he's I'm a, talking about Rory, Ricky, and Spieth, who are fan favorites, patron favorites of Augusta. Yeah, definitely. So they definitely. were obviously going to be disappointed. Um, and I think some of that was because in Augusta, you understand a little bit more about Reed's past and some of the stuff, whether true or not. Some of it's true, or there's smoke, there's fire. But um, I, I think a lot of it was just because he was going against three of the more likable patron, you know, horses to win that he could have gone against. I mean, other than Phil and Tiger, I can't think of three other guys um, that Augusta patrons would have rather seen win. So he was a little against the odds anyway. Um, In terms of, I want to hit our picks and I want to cover the Millie Maker lineup real quick before we move on. Um, You you did have... you said you didn't like Patrick Reed, but you did have a really good call on Jordan Spieth. He was chalk you were willing to eat. Um, we did talk up Patrick Reed a couple of times. We were uh, I, I just posted a video on Twitter about it, and if you rostered Patrick Reed and he won you some money, please retweet that. That would be nice. But, uh, Pat, here's some stats on how we did. I think we did pretty freaking well, actually. Um, we broke down the show in four formats. The Millie Maker lineup, smaller GPPs, cash games, and then the Fantasy Draft Tour card. And if you break down those picks, in the Millie Maker, we named 20 guys. Five missed the cut. Now, I'm not really proud of that number, but the five were Sergio uh, in the top end, who obviously had a horrible day Thursday, Pat Perez, Brennan Steele, Gary Woodland, all in the lower end, and Alex Norin. Um, So those are our missed cuts. We did name Patrick Reed and talked about him being a value in the Millie Maker. We had three guys that finished in the top five, four in the top ten, and ten in the top 20. So we had some pretty nice calls there. In the smaller GPP we talked about, we nailed. We named 13 guys. Only two missed the cut. Those were Norin and Steele. We had two in the top five and and same in the top ten. We had ten in the top 20 even there. Out of the 13 we named, ten of them in the top 20. Our cash game picks were pretty flawless. We named six guys, and none of them missed a cut, and four out of the six finished top 20. And the worst finisher was Phil at 36, who obviously made a lot of birdies, though. Uh, and then in the tour card on Fantasy Draft, we crushed. We named 13 guys. Only one missed the cut, Brendan Steele. And we did name Patrick Reed for the Fantasy Draft Tour card. We had four guys in the top five and ten in the top 20 there. And yours truly took down eighth place in the Tour card over on Fantasy Draft. Nice work. And all in all, I had green screens for the weekend. I was in the black. I had some some ROI. And uh, I was pretty pleased with the ownership and where things landed by the end of the week. Um, I felt like I played it right. I had the right, you know, I had the ownership leverage. It just, you know, it just didn't. You know the, the lineup construction wasn't good enough to really bring it home, but I won some good money. Eighth in the tour card helps, and I think our picks did really well. And I think some people out there probably made some money off of it. So it's good stuff. Yeah, you know, I was uh, not so lucky. I mean, I about broke even, but it was it was not that great. You know, I mean, yeah, you know, but it was. I think 
I don't know. Again, like the picks were really good. I, I was. Uh, you said earlier I wasn't on. I actually was on Patrick Reed. I didn't say. Oh no, who was it? You said you weren't. I can't remember. Um, was it Rory? You said you faded. It was probably Rory. I'm not yeah, it was Rory. Sure. My bad. Well, yeah. we know I faded yeah. John Rom too, which was not good. Oh, it was Rom. So, you meant yeah, because you were with me on Reed. You were yeah. with me on Reed. Um, looking at the Millie Maker lineup real quick, the guy who won the Millie had Ricky Fowler. Russell Henley, Charlie Hoffman, Patrick Reed, Jordan Spieth, and Bubba Watson, all six guys who we endorsed. Um, most people endorsed Spieth and Bubba, um, and, and most people would have endorsed Fowler. Um, we talked about Russell Henley a fair amount. We mentioned Charlie Hoffman, and obviously we talked for uh, a, a decent amount on Patrick Reed. So he, he had a couple of chalk plays in there, Jordan Spieth and Bubba Watson, both over 20% owned. Bubba was his highest owned at 24%. His lowest owned was Russell Henley at 6.5, who finished tied for 15th. And then after that was Patrick Reed, who was at 9% for the Millie Maker. Um, and then Ricky, who was at 12.6. And Charlie Hoffman, who got the late hole-in-one on Sunday, really helped him a lot, who was at 11.7%. So... He had the guy who finished first, second, third, fifth, twelfth, and fifteenth, um, and really two chalk plays, two kind of mid-level, slightly over ten percent plays, and two sub ten percent plays. How would you Scored- figure though this strategy though was because you can look at ownership, but name like we talked about that, like whether or not you're going to go studs and duds or kind of along the middle, and you know you look at the names here, especially at the top: Ricky, Jordan, Bubba. We're all you know a little bit. I don't know what it. What is this? Is this is this studs this is and a, duds or is this is this? I mean, I think it's technically. I think you would call it a. I think technically it would be a studs and duds lineup, but because the pricing was so soft, so soft and you yeah. had guys like Henley and Hoffman, those were his value play. I mean, Spieth was over ten k. Um, Ricky was at nine something. Bubba was at high eights. So he did get he did grab a guy over ten k in Jordan Spieth. And then he threw in two, you know, a 9K guy, a high eight guy. Um, and, then, and then he went low with Henley and, and Hoffman, who were both in the high 6,000s. Mm-hmm. And then he went Reed. Um, so I, I, I would call it studs and duds, but it's, it's close. probably as minimums. Yeah, um, it's close. Uh, but it was good lineup, really good lineup. It scored 606 fantasy points. It didn't end up being as perfect as I thought it was going to be with 205,000 entries, but it's it, obviously a good lineup. Yeah. Um, Actually, in the $750,000, the smaller GPP that was, I guess, the max 20 the entry. The or whatever. The same exact total one. I was a different person, but it was the same exact total, so I'm imagining it's the same probably lineup. But Could have um, been. Yeah. Anyway, that's kind of interesting, I thought. Well, uh, it goes to show you, you know, it's it's a lot about lineup construction. And, I mean, those are six guys we named, you know. Uh, this guy played 15 lineups in the Millie. So he didn't, he didn't max it out. He just played 15 lineups. And this one he happened to nail, and the roster construction was dead on. So that's what it takes to win the Millie and the first major of the year. And the Masters is now behind us, Pat. Is now behind us. <sighs> sigh, sigh. Big sigh. Hey, um, two things real quick. Chalk Bomb email continuing to go out every Wednesday night. It is a great piece of free content if you want it. I think we've got some of our MailChimp issues worked out. 
we didn't get near as many emails, DMs, you know, death threat letters as yeah. as we did the weeks before. So I think things are getting worked out a little bit. So if you want the chalk bomb, go to tourjunkies.com. Click on the Contact Us page and just fill out that contact form and opt in. Just tell us you want the chalk bomb, and that should automatically add you. And I, I do want to apologize again that, that if you guys have emailed us through that form or any other means saying you love the show, thanks for the content, want in on the chalk bomb, we really appreciate you doing that. And normally we try to respond to every single email, but we literally have a couple thousand or so um, it's, it's hard to respond to every single one people on this email yeah on the chalk bomb thing and it's just me and pat so um and so it's basically just me so we can't <laughs> we, we just can't no i'm just kidding you've 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 done a good job responding to those emails but we can't <laughs> respond to all of you guys and tell you how much we appreciate it so yeah well and you put on you know let's go back a little bit i do think we need to thank Everyone that's reading the Chop Bomb, subscribing to the podcast, listeners, all of that kind of stuff. I mean, it is, uh, you know, Week Like the Masters is, is one that we put a lot of effort into. And, and we, we, it, was, uh, it was fun for us, but we also couldn't do a lot of it without the, the support that we get and the, the love that we get. You know, we had the, the guy that uh, left the review for us that won his swag at the Masters, and which is, I, I believe, shipping this week. And, uh, yep. So a lot of a lot of cool stuff that went on last week, and we couldn't do it without our great listeners and and readers and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, and and I'm glad you did that. I, I want to thank everybody that listened to the podcast. I mean, and I hope you I hope you're listening again this week. Um, but every year, every year the Masters Show is our biggest podcast every year. And so I knew that going in, and, and I was excited to see how many listens, how many listeners we got, and and the number that I put up was was about double what our average listenership was for the week. That was the number in my mind that I was like, I'll be happy with that number, and it was actually nearly triple. And I, we're we're just really grateful for that, and uh, we appreciate you guys coming back in week in and week out. Um, and, and listening to us and putting up with us. And sometimes our shows, you know, not, not every show we, we, we end and we think is great. Um, so sometimes we put up a, a good night. Sometimes I feel like we shoot an air ball and you guys keep coming back and we really appreciate it. And as long as you do, we're going to keep doing this and, and do our best to keep it all free. And, um, and every now and then when you got to put up with a, a slight little ad or a push for something, that's because we want to keep it free. And it helps us do things like, you know, pay for somebody to fly all the way out to Augusta and go to the Masters or buy $250 worth of swag in the pro shop or buy a bunch of hats and put them in the shop and then lose money on it. So all, <laughs> all of that we can all of that we can do because you guys keep listening. And, uh, and the best thing you can do for us is to leave that review on iTunes and then just tell someone about it. Like, just... Just tell a friend about the show that you enjoy it, that you laugh at it, that you think it, it's, it's if they like golf, they'll like the show. That is truly the honestly the best thing you can do. That's that's above going. That's better than even going to our store and buying a T-shirt or a hat or whatever. Like that is better. So um, now that being said, we do have new hats in the store, and if you follow us on Twitter, you have seen the fire that are these hats. They are freaking amazing. Great fit great fit they don't i'm really picky about hats you know they don't sit up too high they don't they, they, they fit the head nice they're a good for you know good shape they hold their shape pat 
Um, they're lightweight, you know, and we've got five new designs in the shop, and they are they're going fast. The white and navy ones are going very fast. So if you want a white or navy Golby hat, you need to get on the website right now and put in that order and put Pat to work. And they then are. also, if you've already pre-ordered those, Pat, I'm assuming you'll be shipping those out this week. They will be going out this week if you have pre-ordered. Uh, and I can attest, the hats are freaking awesome. Now, anybody who's listened to us for a long time knows that, that David will wear a little bit different hat than I will wear sometimes. But I'm telling you, I, I, can't, I can't find a fault with them. I love them. David, when we went and played golf, by the way, last week, you were surprised at the first one I wanted to wear. Which was that really cool black one with like the dots on it? And stuff. I was, yeah. They they are just good looking hats. Uh, they just are. So go get those and help us not take as much of a loss on those hats. That would be great. All right, Pat. Um, I think we need to get in this William Lanier PGA Tour caddy interview, and and then when we come back, we'll hit the course breakdown, talk about some key stats, and make some picks for the RBC Heritage. You're going to want to pay attention to this. Now, we do talk to William in the front end of this a little bit about himself, how he got into caddy work, a really cool side gig that he has in producing yardage books, and kind of how that comes into play on the PGA Tour as a looper. Um, but then the, the kind of the last half of the interview, we talk a, a, a lot about Harbor Town and, and guys on tour, Wesley Bryan, that kind of thing. So check that out. And as soon as this is over, myself and Pat will come back with key stats and picks. Here you go. What's up, golf addict? It is the Tour Junkies podcast, and we have another fantastic guest on the podcast. We love to talk to caddies from the PGA Tour. And uh, I'm excited to have an Augusta native, born and raised in Augusta, Georgia, currently resides in Augusta, Georgia. We got our friend William Lanier, currently chatting for Wesley Bryant. William, how are you, man? Doing well. Doing real well. Uh, a little cool right now for uh, yeah for April the 9th, but uh, other than that, I've got no complaints. Well, William, you've been on the bag for Wesley for a little bit. You were obviously on the bag for him last year this time uh, when he won the RBC Heritage in Hilton Head, and I know you've got an extensive golf background, golf just uh, in your blood, played golf at LSU, you know, club professional for a while, born and raised in Augusta, so you're born with it, right? Uh, talk to us no. a little bit about your background, playing golf, caddying on tour, and ultimately how, how you kind of got to caddying on tour where you are now. Yeah, um, you know, like you said, I was Born and raised in Augusta, and uh, I, when I was coming along, it was always kind of like a running joke that if you weren't uh, a single-digit handicap, being from Augusta, they they sent you out, they excommunicated you, and you had to move out of town. It's just uh, <laughs> golf is definitely in uh, you know the, the locals' blood there, and uh, just was fortunate enough to to be around the game, and um, you know was. Got pretty good at it in high school and, and earned a scholarship to go to, um, to LSU in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and played golf there. And, and really enjoyed that experience. Uh was teammates with uh, David Toms and uh, still stay in touch with him a little bit. But um, and after college, uh, played professionally for a little while. Didn't have a whole lot of success with it. And then got into uh, PJ club professional for about nine years in Charlottesville, Virginia where uh was an instructor and you know helped the operation at Farmington Country Club, which is uh tremendous 
golf facility in itself. And uh, but I always had the itch to kind of get back into golf, at, you know, at a high competitive level. So I tried my tried my luck at playing again, and actually did it for about six or seven years through early part of the two two uh, thousands up until about two thousand ten. And uh, kind of got into caddying by accident. Uh, a friend of mine that I'd been traveling with on the old Hooters tour asked me to caddy for him through Q School. And uh, ironically, he came and stayed with me this past weekend in Augusta. But uh, nice. his name is Mike, Michael Boyd. And uh, I caddied for him, and he got through all three stages of, uh, of Q School back when it got you onto the PGA Tour. And uh, I caddied for him in, in the 2007 season. And uh, unfortunately, he didn't keep his card. So I went back and played a little bit more. But uh, over the next couple of years, would caddy and play and caddy and play. And then finally got to the point where it was getting tough to pay the bills by playing. So uh, I had an opportunity to caddy for Henrik Norlander, who had earned his card, who was a member of the Augusta State University golf team. And was a teammate of Patrick Reed, who just won the Masters yesterday. Um, and really kind of felt like my playing days were behind me, but it thoroughly enjoyed caddying and being part of the process of, uh, you know, helping someone compete in a tournament. Loved being around the game at a very high level and uh, still felt like I was competing in a sense. And I honestly just fell in love with caddying and just had the opportunity to, to help them. Some young players, some veteran players, uh, helped KJ Choi for a little while, uh, worked for David Thompson, and then some younger players that uh, are on tour. Jonathan Randolph, I've helped him a little bit, uh, but was fortunate enough to cross paths with Wesley Bryant about uh, two, two and a half years ago. And uh, he asked me to caddy for him uh, about 20 months ago. And to this point, been pretty good little relationship. He's had a nice year last year, and uh, earned a, earned his first win uh, here at Hilton Head. And uh, hopefully, we can recapture some of that mojo this week. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, that's uh, he's definitely definitely a good an up and coming young player. Um, now, a, a lot of people don't know uh, about your side business of the hand drawing yardage book. I want you to talk a little bit about that. Uh, some of the courses you've worked on before and you're working on now and um, just the detail in, in doing that. It's very interesting to us. And a lot of our, our listeners know that we, you know, every week we, we do our best to really break down these golf courses. And I'm sure uh, nothing like what you do, but I'd be interested to hear a little bit more about that. Yeah, it's, it's funny. It's, it's, I sort of accidentally got into caddying. And uh, I also sort of accidentally got into uh, the yardage book business. Uh, <laughs> I started doing that a little bit about 15 years ago when I was traveling with a group of guys on the Hooters tour in the early 2000s. And we were all looking for ways to keep gas in the car and have enough money to stay at a Red Roof Inn and, you know, go to Cracker Barrel for dinner. And we, we started making the yardage book. Um, and they were very crude but they provided some basic information. The artwork wasn't that good, but uh, we, we made a few one week and a couple of the players asked, you know, make a copy for us and you know, I'll give you 10 bucks for it. And it sort of just sort of grew from there. Um, one week, it was 50 bucks. Then we made a hundred and they started to sell and 
kind of through time, some of those guys I was traveling with dropped off and stopped playing. And but I kind of hung on to the business, and I got a little bit better at drawing them and putting, providing more information. And uh, to this day, it's actually still a viable little business that um, you know kind of keeps the water bill paid and the electricity, the light bulbs on. Um, you know, when sometimes caddying gets a little dry, and I've been fortunate enough to to um, work on some courses and create yardage books for some nice facilities. Um, three three clubs that are actually uh, top fifty in the country, and I've done several university and campus courses, and, and I enjoy it. It's kind of a way to just, again stay around the game and uh, provide and create a product that, that a player can can use to help he or she you know navigate around. Uh, golf course and competition and uh, like I said able to put a little bit of money money in the bank as well that's really cool so how how do you like so I mean I'm assuming like you have to go to the course and I mean do you have to go to the course and get permission so to speak or how does that like how does that work yeah uh, what I I, I try to focus on are are facilities they're going to be hosting or or having event either you know uh, like a top amateur event or campus courses that host you know, college invitationals uh, or a private club that may be hosting the state amateur. Um, and honestly, I don't do a whole lot of advertising. I just kind of keep my eyes and ears open um, for places. Uh, for example, I did Forest Heights Country Club about a month ago, and it traditionally has hosted uh, the Chris Schinkel Invitational, which is Georgia Southern's uh, tournament that's been just in its 40th year now and uh the head professional there walt garvin another friend of mine john smith were on staff there i went by and spoke with him one day and gave him a little you know presentation and said yeah we've always wanted a book i said i've got time i've got a couple of weeks off here i'd be happy to come do it and uh i surveyed the course in about two days and spent about a week drawing it up I made some copies put it in booklet form and they uh and, you know, a nice little batch of books, and I think they sold probably 80, 85% of that batch to the colleges, to the coaches and players. And uh, I've got a lot of friends that are that I used to play mini tours with that have got into coaching. And uh, oftentimes they'll, they'll call me and say, hey, we're hosting the NCAA Regional. Can you come make a book for us? Because we're required to have one. So I enjoy it. It's a way to, again, stay around the game, but it's also it's kind of been a way to get a, sort of a crash course and golf course architecture too it's kind of neat to you sort of learn by accident how to how an architect lays out a golf course and and why bunkers are in certain places and uh, i enjoy you get to be around a golf course and just spend time outside and uh i like to sketch and draw a little bit too so that's a lot of fun well and i would imagine i mean obviously you're an accomplished player yourself and you've been around the game a long time uh and that's obviously an edge as a caddy but i would i would assume even that knowledge is is kind of an edge in the caddy rank, uh, and just knowing how to really evaluate and look at a course and pick it apart, help your guy manage it. I mean, I would think. Um, so that that should just make you that much more valuable as a caddy. You know, it is. It's you. you every time I, I go out to, to walk a golf course prior to a tournament, or if I'm out surveying a course for a yardage book, it seems like there's there's one more thing. That, that I've learned or that I can add into the book that I may not have had or may not have been putting in books, you know, six months ago. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, a, a little 
little nuance about a green or, you know, a little bit of extra yardage that the player may have off the tee that he or she can't see from the tee box. Um, and, you know, and if, if that saves a player a single shot, I mean, we all know what yeah. the value of a shot can be. It can be the difference between winning the championship, finishing runner-up, or it can be the difference between making a cut and not making a cut. Um, or your your team qualifying or not qualifying, advancing to NCAA's, um, anything that uh, that can just give you an edge or just a little yeah. extra something, it's it's always kind of neat to pick that up and and add that to the book. So, um, and, and again, constantly surveying. It's just it always keeps your mind sharp and it kind of keeps your, your caddy sense about you, so to speak. Yeah. Well, very interesting. So switching gears to the PGA Tour and caddying out there, any good caddy stories, man? I know, I know that's probably, I guess, asked a good amount of time, and, but we <laughs> always love talking to our caddies, and there's always something fresh on your mind. Maybe one you can share, um, probably some that you don't want to share, but is, are there any <laughs> ones that you would want to share? A uh, memorable moment. Let's see. Uh <laughs> Ah, uh, trying to think. What come? Anything coming to mind? Yeah, Pat was well, supposed I, I, to prep, prep you for this. So clearly <laughs> well, I, I'll, I can tell you this, and it's for whatever reason, it's maybe because I, I had played last year here at Hilton Head with a group of guys. Um, and oftentimes on days off, or if you have an afternoon off, sometimes the caddies will get together and and uh, you know go play in the, uh, you know another golf course in the area. But what's, you know, unbeknownst to, you know, a lot of the listeners out there is a lot of the caddies are really good players. And some yeah, of them yeah. have held you know, status on the web tour. Um, for example, uh, Damon Green, who is Zach Johnson's caddy, is a very accomplished player. Yeah. Damon had a high finish at the U.S. Senior Open at Inverness in Toledo, you know, a handful of years ago. Uh, Paul Tesori, who works for... Yep. Webb Simpson, Paul Tesori had his tour card in the early to mid-90s for a couple of years. Um, we've got uh, Brett Waltman, uh, known as Waldo, who works for Charlie Hoffman. He earned his web.com card one year. And uh, and I say that to, to kind of you know let people know that a lot of the caddies bring that value to their player, that they've competed at a very high level. And uh, you know, they can relate to what the player's going through, either in a certain situation that the ball has come to rest in a peculiar lie, or it's, you know, they're trying to make a decision. Do we go for this pin? Do we play away from it? Um, you know, there's, I played with a buddy of mine about a year ago, just in a recreational round, and he reel, reels off six birdies in a row on the back nine and shot 30. And it's, so a lot of the caddies, you know, are excellent players and, and come to the table with, um, you know, a few more uh, aces in the aces up their sleeves, if, if that's the proper metaphor. So, uh, yeah. But as far as any juicy stories, I may just keep those under wraps. <laughs> well, you know, that's we we certainly understand, and you know, we we've uh, we've had Paul Tesori on, and, and great guy, and definitely a fantastic player. And I think that's one thing, though, too, that a lot of people don't know about the caddies on tour is how good a lot of them are at golf. Um, you know, they didn't just, you know, you don't just luck into what you're doing. You're obviously a professional. So, um, 
it, that I think that is something that's, that's pretty good for them to know. But I, you know, so William, I want to get into you know a little bit of heritage talk. You know, obviously mm-hmm. we talked about you and you and West won here last year, so it's a course you know well. What are your just thoughts on this course? You know, how does it set up for players, and what do you absolutely have to do well here in order to win? Uh, I think first and foremost, uh, you have to drive it well, and you have to have a little bit of luck in driving it because just to say that you've driven it in the fairway, which typically is a good thing, and that's a good thing here at Harbortown, but you have to drive it in the right part of the fairway because Harbortown is Harbortown Golf Links is such a, a tight course and it's tree lined. Oftentimes you can drive it in the fairway, but could be blocked out by an overhanging oak branch with many of the live oaks you hear on, on property or you could be uh, have driven it too far on through you know through one end uh, side of a dog leg, but be um, blocked out by an overhanging tree up by the green. And had you driven it on the other side of the fairway, you would have a clear shot. Uh, so knowing what club to hit off the tee to leave you, you know, an unimpeded approach shot is critical. Um, one of the other neat things about though about Harbortown is the greens are relatively small, and I think through time, uh, some of the lowest um, putting rounds or lowest amount of putts in competition have been here at Harbortown because if you are on the green, you've got pretty good looks and, and relatively short looks at, at, at birdie. Uh, your length of putt, I guess, is what I'm trying to say, oftentimes not very long, so. Uh, if you can get it in the right part of the fairway, it, it increases your chances of hitting a close approach shot and, uh, you know, giving yourself an opportunity for a lot of chances at, uh, at birdies. So um, it's a very, uh, you kind of have to plot yourself around Harbortown and then to be extremely patient, extremely patient as well. Do you think, um, you know, we talked, a lot of you know, bombers versus guys that just kind of plotted around the course. You know, you got DJ in the field this week. You know, right. can bomber can bombers take advantage of the course, or is it is it really just like literally the whole field, regardless of you know how long or short you hit it, are, are in play when it comes to you know winning and, and and scoring out here on this on this course. I think there are a few holes where a long hitter uh, can. Can take advantage. Uh, par five, uh, fifteen. I could see where someone like Dustin Johnson or other long hitters can can get there in two. Whereas for the most part, it, it's a, basically it's a three shot hole just because of how well guarded it is uh, on someone trying to attack the, the green on the second shot. And then there again, if you lay up, you have to lay up at the proper part of the fairway so that your wedge shot isn't you know impeded by. The, the overhanging tall pine there, green side. Um, I think courses like Harbortown um, are great equalizers, and I think you'll, I think oftentimes you see the, the leaderboard is very bunched up here because it sort of does handcuff a bit a, a long hitter and brings sort of more players kind of into the mix. And uh, again, that and there's a, because Harbortown's tight. Fairways narrow, small greens, you know, well guarded. It's uh, there's ways to defend golf courses 
keeping not making them 7,500 yards long, which seems to kind of be the trend. Everyone wants to make a golf course 7,000, 7,200, 7,400, 7,500 yards. There are other ways to defend golf course as opposed, you know, by not using length as that defense. And I, I'd it'd be nice to kind of see venues that, um, that are maybe around the 7,000 yard, you know, where it brings a lot more people, keeps more people in the mix, so to speak. Yeah. And you see typically year in and year out, you know, Harbortown is, is always, you know, one of the more, you know, top, I think 10 to 15 more difficult courses on tour, even though it's short. I mean, especially if you get some wins and then and, and that kind of stuff. I haven't looked at the wins for this week, but uh, you know, I think that could be a factor here. Um, but you know, you talk about, you know, you got a guy like Wes who obviously was coming in, you know, into his own last year and, and you got him to the win. What about, are there any other players though, that, that you can see in the field this, this year, maybe some unknowns, uh, maybe guys that we might know, but this is a, a perfect course fit for them. You know, any, any particular names come to come to mind? You know, when it comes to thinking about that question. Well, I, I've got to I got to toss Wesley back into that mix. He's yeah. excited to be here again. He's uh, hitting the ball really well, even though we didn't cut last week the Masters. Uh, he's, he's got things tightened up, and he's excited and ready to go. But uh, I saw Bo Hostler today, and he's got great command of his golf ball, and he's playing with a lot of confidence. Obviously, playing. You know, losing in the playoff at Houston a couple of weeks ago. Um, trying to think of other players that you know play well here. Uh, we actually were hitting balls next to Dustin Johnson earlier, and he was hitting uh, he was hitting the driving iron, uh, just shaping it a little bit. And I'm sure that's something that he's going to be using. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I can't discount him by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, Brian Gay is in the field, past champion here. Players like that, Brian, Wesley, um, Bo Hostler, uh, that, that really manage their their iron play, you know, keep it in play off the tee. They're you know, patient players. I think are going to have a lot of success here. Someone like a Jim Furyk, uh, who's, uh, who's won here. Um, mm-hmm. Luke Donald has always played well here. So, um, yeah, you know, very deliberate the- players. He's, Luke is obviously a course horse here, you know, along with guys like, um, you know, like a Boo Weekly. Kiz, I think, has is, is obviously this is a course for him. But have you noticed, yeah. I know you've only been there for a little while, have you noticed any, any changes with the course this year, or is it pretty much going to set up similar to last year? I, from, I, we were talking to a couple of uh, tournament officials, Wesley and I were, and what they were telling us that um, it's ex- pretty much the same setup uh, from what we could see. It's in terrific shape. Uh, putting green was in great shape, and they told us that the greens on the course are, are, are just like that. Um, the uh, temperatures are a little cool right now, but I think it's going to warm up and should uh, dry things out, and uh, you know, maybe make make the uh, make the course play a little bit tougher. And uh, I mean, we're excited to to be back here again. And uh, try to defend defend the title and get him get Wesley another plaid coat. Well, we we definitely appreciate you being on and giving us some info. Um, I, I, I'll have to. My last question though is, you know, David and I, uh, you know, often talk stats and, and that kind of thing, and you've alluded to it some. But if you're going to pick sort of two or three main stats, you know, whether it's driving accuracy, 
you know, uh, approach, greens and regulation, that kind of stuff. What what would be sort of your three top stats for this week? I would, yeah, I would definitely say driving accuracy, uh, putts per green and regulation, and then proximity to the hole on approach. Nice. See, I love the yeah. proximity stat. David has never been a huge, huge fan of the of the proximity stat, but I I think especially when you have these small greens, it's something that certainly comes into play. So yeah, I'm, and I, I tossed that in there because Wesley and I were looking at some statistics about two three weeks ago, and we found that his proximity to the hole has not been as convenient, if you will, as it was this time a year ago, and uh, so. He's um, that kind of reiterates a little bit of of that category. I think it does. Um, if you can get your proximity a little closer, it's it's uh, it definitely helps a lot. Helps you hold a few more putts. Well, good day, William. We uh, we appreciate it. Uh, good luck to you and Wes this week. We're obviously going to be pulling for you, and we we thank you for giving giving us a little bit of your time today. No, guys, appreciate you having me on, and uh, we're going to do what we can, like I said, to get us another plaid coat. Uh, Looking forward to the week. All right, there it is. Our buddy William Lanier. Pat, you you grew up with William in Augusta? You kind of knew William before. Yeah, he was he was uh, always a great junior player, and then as he mentioned in the interview, went on to play at LSU with David Toms, and even caddied a little bit for David Toms a, a while ago. Um, caddied a Masters with him, um, and and just a great guy. Has been in in and around golf for so long. Let me, I just the the thing I always remember about growing up around William is how much he grinded so hard, even after college, to try and make the tour. I mean, the guy just loves golf i mean more than anything it's 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 been his whole life and clearly yeah i think he's in a perfect position now where he's um you know caddying for wes and being able to kind of guide him and he's much older than wes i mean i think williams may be pushing 50 um but he's he's just he's still i mean He's definitely young at heart, great guy. So I think, you know, he gave some good knowledge too when you're looking at, you know, even the course this week and, and picks and, and that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I, I like William. I think, you know, that was fantastic for him and Wes to get that first win on tour last year and to get insight from a caddy who won this tournament or who was part of the team that won this tournament is is pretty cool for us and so was, I, I appreciate him coming on and, and and talking to us for a little bit yeah well, why don't you get in you know let's just quickly hit the course uh, details maybe he left out and, and then talk through what you took away from William in terms of what's important to play here your key stats and then we'll, we'll get into it yeah so here we are at the RBC Heritage in Hilton Head South Carolina lovely place as we talked about earlier at Harbor Town golf links club whatever you want to call it it is a par 71 course 7100 yards so as william talked about it's just not a very long course but you know and you look at the three par fives here i think two are very reachable when you look at holes number two and number five but 15 is a little bit tougher to reach but you know those are those first two are going to be you know you know not that long um bermuda greens and fairways 
very small greens. As a matter of fact, they are the smallest on tour, so they're extremely tough to hit. Um, there, there's a couple things that you know that tells me that I'll mention in my stats. But you know, one of the things I really took away about from what William said was with the tree lines and with these fairways. Not only do you have to you know be accurate off the tee. But you got to hit the fairways in the right spot to give you, you know, the right line into the green. So, you know, he said you can hit a fairway, but there may be a tree right in your way or a limb or whatever, you know. So that's something that you really got to, you know, pay attention to. Um, looking at past champs, we had obviously Wes Bryan in 2017, Brandon Grace in 2016, Jim Furyk, who beat out our boy Kiz in 2015. Kuchar in 2014, who has just an incredible course history here. And then you had Graham McDowell back in 2013. Was that his last win on tour? I think it might have been, yeah. God, it seems like so long ago for him. But looking at stats, I'm going to look at driving accuracy. I think definitely approach, especially greens and regulation. I I took out of Williams' interview, and and David, you may disagree, but one of the things he talks about was proximity. And he said that the difference between where Wes was last year and where he is this year is where they're ranking in proximity. (laughs) So he thought that that is an important stat to look at, and so I will take that into consideration really with the greens and regulation stat. So I think that's going to be important. I am looking at course history. You do see course horses here, like a guy like Luke Donald, Matt Kuchar, I'm sort of right. Recent form is 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 a little bit lower for me this week. I, I think you could you could have a guy that has really just not played all that well. Maybe he's had to, he's come in on these longer courses. Don't don't particularly you know set up well for a guy. Hilton Head is just one of those unique courses where I think you can have a guy who doesn't who isn't in great great recent form but fits the course really well. Isn't that long and is a good ball striker. You know, maybe it gets hot with the putter this week. So I do think that you can, you know, lessen that, you know, what you're going to wait recent form a little bit this week. So there you go. That's a quick rundown, and uh, I don't know what else you got, but but there you go. That's all I got for that. Yeah, I think the proximity thing is real. I think it it's kind of baked into strokes gained approach to some extent. Um not not completely because there are some differences uh, in those two mm-hmm. stats, but I actually ended up looking at, at both of them. Uh, there are some players who, if you look at, you know, they, they rank on one end of the spectrum in strokes gained approach and an opposite end of the spectrum in proximity. So, you know, uh, it just I, I think it's worth looking at both. I looked at fairways gained, which is the key stat for accuracy over on Fantasy National Golf Club. So I looked at fairways gained. I looked at strokes gained around the green and being able to get up and down and chip the ball close on these tiny greens. I took that away from William Lanier. Obviously quite small green surfaces here. And if you don't hit them, you got to be able to get up and down. Uh, And then strokes gained putting, I took a little bit of look at, but uh, I I don't usually weight that as heavily. Um, So those are some key stats for me. I say we get into some picks. Yeah, let's go. I'll tell you what, man. In the t- my my approach this week in GPPs on DraftKings as well as cash is going to be a little more balanced. Um, I, I you know Dust, Dustin Johnson's here because he's an RBC guy. Um, obviously, a bomber like him can club down and hit some kind of a driving iron or whatever it is, or you know, four iron for his sake. You know, off the tee and be be okay. I just I do think it eliminates his edge to some extent. He's still a great player, but I'm not going to play him at twelve thousand. 
Paul Casey, Matt Kuchar, and Mark Leishman round out the rest of the guys over 10K. I, I, I typically will not pay 10K for Mark Leishman, even though I like Mark Leishman. I had a lot of him, uh, ended up with a fair amount of him for Masters, but I'm not going to pay over 10K for Mark Leishman. Paul Casey and Kuchar are intriguing. I'm not mad at a listener if you want to play either one of those guys. Obviously, Kuchar is going to be a chalky play with his history here. If you look at the stats, it's not fantastic. You know, I, I kind of looked at the last 12 rounds in terms of stats, and he's 102nd in strokes gained around the green and scrambling. Um, he's 62nd in accuracy over the last 12 rounds. So I don't, I don't know. I just, I don't know that I'll, I'll eat the chalk there with Kuchar. Paul Casey, I, I mean, I like Casey. He's a great, tremendous ball striker. Uh, not a not a crazy history here like Matt Kuchar. Not a lot of strokes gained here when he's played. Um, so I think, for me, it's a fade. I'm going to go a little more balanced and start a lot of lineups in the 9K range. Are you going to do anything different with the boys over 10K? Actually, yeah, I agree. I think that whoever's going to win, if you're talking, um, if you're, we're talking GPPs and tournaments, I think the the winner this week of, of the contest are going to be fading this top, you know, over 10k range. Um, I think for cash though, you can certainly play Cooch or Casey. I'm I'm okay with either one of those, but for for a tournament lineup, I'm I'm fading all, all of these guys. I'm not going to play them all at all. Um, if if you are going to play a guy in a tournament, I, I think it probably should be Casey. You may you're going to be eating chalk, but I think that's probably what you do. Um, even though Cooch has that just great course history, I'm with you on the stats. The only thing really that you can look at Cooch um, is putting. You know, if you're looking at like the last 24 rounds or so on Fantasy National, he is in the top 10 in the field. Actually, six in the field in putting. So that's about the only thing though that he really pops for me. So. You know, I, I think these guys in a tournament, I'm going to be fading. Well, you say Casey will be chalk. I don't know. Like he, he may not be. I mean, he normally is, and he's going to have some ownership. I mean, he might, he, he's going to be over 10%, obviously. Um, but I think with Kuchar being right there below him, I, I think a lot of guys are going to go Kuchar. I mean, we know that there's there's two there's there's basically two things that drive ownership and that is um you know vegas odds to win and and course history and obviously kuchar has the course history way above paul casey um now i don't know let me look real quick at his um let's see i don't know if i have odds to win up here yet i'm looking for possible odds to win on kuchar yeah, so Casey right now over on my book, he's uh, fourteen to one. Kuchar's twenty to one, so they're right neck and neck. But I, I see more people going going Kuchar's way. So I, I think Casey, if you want to play a stud up there, I think Casey could be, you know, sub twenty percent maybe. I yeah. don't know. Well, we'll check. I mean, you check FanShare on, on yeah. Wednesday and those kind of things, and, and we'll see if you know if, if Casey's sitting there looking at projections of less than twenty percent. I'm. I might have a few, about. yeah. I might have a few more studs and duds lineups than originally planned. So yeah, check out FanshareSports.com. Come Wednesday night for your ownership trends. They were essential last week in uh, kind of narrowing down the player pool for the Masters. And uh, yeah, so you, you definitely want to do that. And if you use our referral code, if you want a link for that, we'll tweet that out to you or email it to you. Uh, you get a free month uh, out of that. So, And it's only $9 every month after that. Why would you not do that? So check that out, fansharesports.com. Getting into the 9K range, Pat, there are four. I like four guys in the 9K. There's one guy I'm not going to play. Can you guess who it is? In the 9K range, I'm going to say Poulter. 
Nope, I'm going to play him. Cantley. Nope, going to play him. Hmm. I stumped you here, huh? I'm not going to... I'm not going to play Cam Smith, and I and I like Cam Smith. I normally, See, I agree. I disagree with that, actually. I, I normally love Cam Smith. He's a fantastic scrambler, obviously in tremendous form. A lot of people watched him Sunday rally and, and just shoot an amazing round to, to kind of backdoor a top five at the Masters, and we talked him up for the Masters. Um, so I like Cam Smith. I think he's a good player. I think his ownership's going to be a little high there at 9K, and he's not the most accurate, though, and that's where – he can get away with that at, at the national, um, but he ranks 112th in this field over the last 12 weeks in fairways gained. He is not the most accurate player. I'm going to fade Cam Smith. I love Brian Harmon and Webb Simpson. Those are my two favorite plays here. Uh, I think Harmon is a, is a good play, having gained 14 strokes here in the last five years. Simpson's gained 17 strokes in the last five years. Simpson's in a little better form, but uh, you know, not not by much. Obviously, he had a better Masters with an incredible round on Sunday. I think this is a great place for Webb. He's a proximity machine. He's 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 actually fourth in this field over the last twelve rounds in putting, and and Harmon is seventh. But the the fact that Webb Simpson's putter has been as good as it has been is the reason why he's having a great year so far. So I like him a lot. Poulter uh, ranks incredibly high for me statistically. Um, he's gained 12 strokes here in the last uh, in the last five years and 10 in the last six weeks. Obviously, coming off his win in this field in the last 12 rounds, he is fifth in strokes gained approach, fifth in proximity. He's one of those where it lines up, and ninth in fairways gained. So. Hitting fairways, hitting greens, that's what you got to do here. And then I like Patrick Cantlay. Missed the cut at the Masters. He was about 10% owned in the Millie Maker. Tied for third here last year in his first time out. Uh, you know, I, I kind of see him being a little undervalued, a little underowned for what he normally is. And I think he has the upside to win. He is such a tee to green machine. So that's the reason I like those four boys. So basically, you should have just gone off and just said, uh, the only guy I don't like here is Cam Smith. Well, that's what I started off saying. Do you remember me saying that? There's one guy here I don't like. Okay, I well, just gave the reasons why I like the guys that I like. I'm not a huge. I'm not. A, I'm not going to play Poults or Cantlay this week, and I, and I understand why you would like them. I think you know that's that's just fine. But I, I'm going to. I love Harmon and Webb, and if you go out even further to the last 24 rounds on putting, which you mentioned, you know it actually goes even better. You got Webb at second in the field, and Brian Harmon at third in the field over the last 24 rounds on putting. So. They're uh, they're right there. I think they're both great plays. Um, Webb is so due for a win this year. I think. Yeah, he so, is. And I just I love him this week. Uh, Pulse, I, I worry about a little bit. I mean, I know there's just been a lot. You know, there was a lot of stress leading up to getting into the Masters. He played okay. Seemed a little tired at the end of that. Um, seemed like he needed a little bit of a rest. So that may I don't know. That kind of worries me. But I do like Cam. I mean, I think. I get the driving thing, but but I love him as far as a scrambler. Um, he is, you know, 14th in the field in proximity. Obviously, has been in, in pretty good recent form. So I, I think Cam Smith, you know, if he can get out here, you know, maybe he's not going to hit driver off the tee, play safe, play smart. I, I do think he is a is a guy that can win. So um, Harmon, Webb, and and Smith are my two my three fa- favorite here in this in this group. All right, who you like in the 8K? Give them all to me. All right, so I'll give you. I actually have. Let's see. Well, I have three that I love here, and actually four. I'll go four. 
Um, start off with a boy kiss. I think that this is just a perfect course for him. He talks about how he loves playing out here. He loves the Bermuda greens. He loves being able to get out here and shape his shots. You know, he's not the longest guy, but he can hit his driver and do what he wants to do with that driver. Um, so he has good course history. You know, look at, you know, should you know had a really good shot to win, you know, back in 2015 when Furyk got it. Um, you know, his recent form is coming around a little bit. I never ever think that the Masters is one of those courses, Augusta National, where he's going to make the cut, but I just don't know if he can contend there. And he it did the exact same thing that I thought he would do last week. I mean, just was, you know, he made the cut, but nothing spectacular. This is a week, though, that I think he loves. I think his family loves. So I feel like, you know, I just he's comfortable here. Okay. He's been he's been putting really well. Some all on kids. Luke List is the next guy. And you know what? I looked at List and wanted to fade him, but I had a hard time being able to. He's number one in the field in ball striking over the last twenty four rounds. He's sixth in approach. He's seventh in scrambling or, or strokes gained around the green. Checks the box in greens and regulation. I just don't see how you can avoid List. I mean, I think that's a a fantastic play. The next guy. That I love, and I hate playing this guy, but I like him this week, and that is Bryson DeChambeau at 8,300. Two years ago, he was T4 here. Didn't have a, he missed a cut last year, but I'm kind of throwing that out because it was an interesting year for him, and I just don't think that that was indicative of how he can play this course. Checks box in proximity, strokes gained approach. His ball striking has been really good. He is second in the field in DraftKings scoring, so I think DeChambeau is a great, probably, GPP play this week, depending on what his ownership is. And the last guy, Adam Hadwin at 8,100. I love him. Checks the box on approach around the green. His ball striking is good. We always know he's a really good putter. I think this is a perfect course for him as well. So there, there you go. I disagree. I tried on, to rattle that off as quick as I could for you. Yeah, I disagree on Luke List. He's 83rd in fairways gained over the last 12 rounds and 120th in strokes gained putting. I don't. I don't think this course is built for him. As good as he's playing, and I know his irons have been okay, but I. I don't see it for eighty nine hundred on a track like this for him. I'm not even with you that much on Kiz. I think he'll be okay. I don't hate the play as much as I do list, but I'm not going to have a lot of him. I agree with you on Deshambo. Although I do think some people. I think he might be a little chalky. He was a little. He, he was talked up a little too much last week, um, and he didn't do great. Obviously at the Masters last week, but. When you look at the stats, he definitely checks a lot of the boxes in terms of key stats that we've mentioned. So I don't mind him. I love the Adam Hadwin play. He is uh, just the best guy, the best iron player on the tour right now in the last 12 rounds. He's third in scrambling in the last 12 rounds, 28th in fairways gained. And the thing that he's doing worse, you mentioned last week on on the Masters podcast, is putting. He's 74th in this field over the last 12 rounds in putting you got to figure that comes around at some point. So I think at 8,100, you obviously have a cut maker. Uh, just the iron game is that solid, and, and, the, and the driver and the accuracy is that solid. I see, I see a made cut, and, and I think if the putter comes around just a little bit, Hadwin can win this event. Um, so I like Hadwin the most, and then the guy that I like more than anyone else other than Hadwin in this range is actually Ryan Moore. I think Ryan Moore has some some upside here. He's gained 10 strokes in his last six events. He's 20th in the field in strokes gained approach and first in fairways gained. Is extremely accurate. 
32nd in strokes gained around the green. So I think it's a good move on Ryan Moore. He's usually low-owned. Not too many people like playing Ryan Moore, including me. So the fact that I'm playing him is a good thing. <laughs> um, all right, getting out in the 7K and 6K, let's, let's move quickly here. Uh, I like Kevin Chappell. Uh, he was 14% owned last year for the or last year, last week for in the Millie Maker for the Masters, and he missed the cut. A lot of people talked him up. He missed the cut. He's gained about four and a half strokes here in the last five years. Um, form is okay, but we know Kevin Chappell is a premier iron player, um, and he just is kind of an all-around guy. He doesn't do a whole lot of things great other than his iron play, but I think he could... I think you'd have a good week here, and 7,900 feels like a value for a guy to jump up and win. Um, I'm just going to give you a couple plays here. I don't, I don't mind a lot of these guys, um, but I'm going to give you some of the plays I feel the best about, especially in terms of GPP. Ollie Schneiderjans at 7,400. Ollie had a you know close opportunity here last year. He finished tied for third. He's not in the best form right now. But he's a good scrambler. He's 19th in scrambling right now uh, over the last 12 rounds. Great iron player, a lot like uh, a lot like Kevin Chapel, has some length that he can use to his advantage when he needs it. So I think Ollie is in play. Um, I've got some more down here in the lower sevens, but I'll let you I'll let you start off. Do you have any more in the high? I skipped a lot of guys in the high sevens. I'm sure you probably well, have a few. Real quick, I mean, this is a guy I talked initially on a, on somebody who's not in you know great form, but Mike could really play good here. And that guy for me is Russell Knox this week. He's now he's killed me this year. It seems like every time I take him. But you look at his course history, he's gained 33 strokes on the field. He's never finished out – or well, he hasn't finished outside of the top 20 in his last four events, including a, a T11 last year, T2 back in 2016. Checks a box in uh, scrambling proximity. Also, your stat, that good drives gained percentage. So I think that – I think Knox is certainly in play at 7,800. A guy – another guy similar, James Hahn at 7,500. I think he is a guy that you could you could play, especially in a tournament, very low-owned, Texas box and DraftKings scoring, ball-striking approach. He's top 10 in the field in proximity and greens and regulations. So I love some James Hahn there at 7,500. Uh, the low guys for me, you want me, you, me to get into those or you yeah, want to go? Yeah, go, go ahead. So a few that I'll mention. I like Chesson Hadley at 7,300. Checks a box in proximity. Number two in the field in strokes gained approach. Also ball striking. So I, I think Hadley comes around. This is a good course for him this week. And, you know, William Lanier mentioned Bo Hostler. I mean, coming off of a uh, that second place finish at the Houston Open, I know he was disappointed not to win. But the guy's a stud. I think it's seventy three hundred. You're getting a fantastic value for him. So there you go. That that will be my. Uh, I'll kind of finish out the the seven K range there. I, I like Hostler. I, I do like a few more in the lower sevens. I like Kevin Streelman at seventy three hundred. Fourth in fairways gain. Tenth in proximity over the last twelve rounds. Uh, Bud Cauley seems to be getting a little bit of chatter. I saw on Twitter today. He could be okay. I'm not huge on him. He doesn't rate highly on fairways gained or proximity. So check FanshareSports.com on Wednesday night. If if Cauley looks like the chalk down here, I say you definitely pivot to uh, you know Bo Hostler, who Lanier mentioned. Also like Patton Kazire. Kazire's not. He struggled with a driver lately, but we know he's a good iron player and he's a really good putter. 
Uh, and so I think if you if if he can club down a little bit or keep the, you know uh, do something to get the ball in the fairway, I think from the fairway in Kazire has the game to play really well here, and I think he'll go extremely low owned for a guy who's won twice on the PGA Tour. Uh, I think that's I think that's saying something. Um, lower Ben Martin is kind of a local South Carolina boy. Mm, documented yeah. documented that he loves this golf course. He's 14th in strokes gained approach and 12th in fairways in the last 12 rounds. Just below him a guy who missed the cut at his first Masters last year or last week with uh Kip Henley on the bag is Austin Cook. Uh typically a pretty accurate kid, good putter. I see this being a good little bounce back move for him. I'm going to get on Wesley Bryant, the defending champ. $7,200, miscut, but we you know, we heard from George Bryan last week. We heard it again from William Lanier. Now, obviously, guys who are in you know, Wesley Bryan's corner, but it, it does seem like he's worked some stuff out. I thought he had a pretty good first round at Augusta. He just kind of struggled in the second round. Uh, so I think it's 7200 for the defending champ. You know, we talk a lot about fading the defending champ, but, uh, I mean, given the form has been pretty bad, given the price, It'll be interesting to see where he comes in at. I, I think I'll have some of him. If he's going to be sub ten percent owned, I'll definitely have some of him. I think oh, that's yeah. a I think that's a really good value. My favorite play in the seven K and especially favorite value is Chris Kirk at seventy one hundred dollars. Kirk just is looking good in a lot of different stat categories. Twenty uh, sixth in strokes gained approach, forty eighth in fairways gained, forty first in uh, strokes gained putting. You know, chips it okay. Just all around, just not terrible at anything. He's gained ten strokes here in the last five years, six in the last six weeks. So not in terrible form either. So don't mind a little Kirk. Um, don't mind a little Rory Sabatini at seven K. As we get into the six K range, I've really got four plays. You got anybody? I'll let you start the six K. I'm sure we're gonna agree on Kelly Craft. Is that is that correct? Because I like Kelly Craft. Well, I can't believe that. Well, I mean, I can believe it, but yeah, that's the first one I was going to mention was Kelly Craft. I mean, uh, you know, sixty nine hundred, been playing pretty well lately. Checks the box in proximity, putting. He is top fifteen in the field. Uh, so I, I think Kelly Craft is a great play at sixty nine hundred. Right below him too, our boy Corey Connors, who's played well. Uh, on tour this year, you know, he contended, what was that, the Valspar, the Honda Classic. Um, so, you know, he checks the box. He's he's top 10 in proximity. Uh, he's top 20 in strokes gained off the tee. His recent form, as I mentioned, has been good. Greens and regulation. So I think Corey Connors at 6,800 is is a pretty good play there. Um, I don't know. I'll let you go. I don't know if you got any guys much lower than that. I, I really don't. I may have one flyer below that, but that's that's pretty much about it. I do love Kelly Craft. 24th in strokes gained approach, 17th in fairways gained, and 10th in putting in the last 12 rounds. We talked to his coach, Josh Gregory, who's the same coach that uh, Patrick Reed uses. Josh thinks Craft is primed to really play well at this event and is obviously in good form. I, I'm going to fade Corey Connors, and this will be an interesting play for us, Pat. You and I can have a little, you and I can have a little, uh, little side bet here. I think Vaughn Taylor is the play Mm. when i look at the last 12 when i look at the last 12 rounds okay and and i mentioned five categories in the beginning strokes gained approach and proximity fairways gained strokes gained around the green and strokes gained putty there is one category that in the last 12 rounds even given Corey connor's good recent form there is one category he beats von taylor in 
and that is strokes gained approach. Vaughn Taylor is 46th in the field in strokes gained approach, 5th in fairways gained, 9th in strokes gained around the green, 8th in proximity, and 81st in putting in the last 12 rounds in this field. He checks a lot of boxes for me. So I'm going to play, I think he's a GPP pivot. I'm not going to play him in cash, but I think he's a GPP pivot off of a guy like Corey Connors. And I think a lot of people are going to be on Kelly Craft a little bit. Uh, I, I could see him creeping up in the 10% or plus, which is a little chalky for a guy at 6,900. So I think Von Taylor's a good sub 3%, 5% option in GPPs. A lot of guys are also going to gravitate towards Lucas Glover at 6,800, who I, I can't be mad at. I like it. I mean, Lucas Glover is a ball striking machine. Um, I, it's, you know, I mean, he hadn't done great here. He's gained four strokes here in the last five years, but. He's normally a cut maker, which I think is what's attractive about him at 6,800 is he's likely to make a cut. Um, and, and my final play and my cheapest play of the week is going to go at 6,500, oh, Hollywood Hoagie. And, man, when you look at his stats, not bad. 33rd in strokes gained approach. Okay, now he's 78th in fairways gained and 118th in putting. Not great. But 33rd in strokes gained approach, 11th in proximity, and 12th in strokes gained around the green. So, I mean, and I, and I would weight the putting the least here. Small greens. You got a guy who pounds greens. If he's, if he's pounding small greens, he's a lot less likely to have a three putt. You know, he's a lot less likely to have closer proximity putts. So, I think Tom Hoagie at 6,500 is a really interesting play. I mean, we almost saw him win a golf tournament at the Genesis. I think it was the Genesis earlier this year. Uh, you know, for the minimum price, I think Hoagie is interesting. So that, Actually, that's, that's that, that would be the one that I was going to go to in that, that lower, you know, at the, well, at the minimum price range. I mean, I, I, he totally popped for me for the same reasons he has for you. Again, this is not, you know, it's a risky play, but I think if, if you want to, if you got to fit a guy that's down here at 6,500 minimum price, I think it's a great play. So, um, I mean, if I were to give you some of my cash staples, cause I know, you know, a lot of people like to talk cash. Um, uh, if I were to do that, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of Brian Harmon, Webb Simpson, and Adam Hadwin to kind of lead off your cash lineups. That leaves you with about 7,500. You know, throw in a Wesley Bryan defending champ. I mean, I think even given his form, but obviously you got a couple people close to him that, that feel like he's, he's very close. Uh, you, you don't see a missed cut coming out of him. That leaves you 7,750 on average for your remaining two players. Um, anybody else in, that you would like, who, who would be some cash locks for yourself? Well, I think you know, and I didn't mention them earlier, but I think you could you could put in some sneds at seventy four hundred as a as a cash type play. I mean, yeah, I think he's a good enough player with good course history here. He's obviously won this tournament before. Um, you're getting him at seventy four hundred. I could see playing him at cash. I'm with you on Hadwin. Uh, for me, Kiz is a cash play. I, I guess he's maybe not for you, um, but no, Kiz Kiz is a cash play. I, I would play Kiz. I, I don't. I liked my other construction line of construction a little better, but I, I I could see Kiz as a cash play. So what about one and done? Do we need to yeah? Do we need to not forget about that? Right. Yep, I've got my one and done, and for this week it is going to be Brian Harmon. Feel good about I feel good about Harmon this week. Wow, and I haven't used him yet. So 
So my one and done has been chosen for me. Oh, yeah, that's right. You need to talk about that. So we had a listener. Um, I'm going to screw up his last name. His first name's Ryan. What do you think? Michelac? Yeah, like yeah, we'll go Michelin, with that. Michelac, we'll go with that. Um, who we kind of went back and forth on on my one and dones. He, he was very opinionated, especially when I went with uh, Rafa Cabrera Bello a few weeks ago. And so I said, here's the thing. You know what? I've already submitted. He didn't want me to do Rafa, so he said, I said, tell you what, give me a reasonable one and done for the Heritage, and I'll play it and announce it on the show in two weeks. Well, guess what? First thing in the morning, he sends me my one and done pick, and that is going to be Kevin Kisner, our boy Kiz. So that's that's the one and done pick for me. You know, chosen by Ryan Michalak. And I thought we'll he was telling we... you that you had to take James Hahn. Oh, he, he picked he picked Kevin Kisner. Yeah, but I thought he told you you had to take James Hahn. No. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, that's a great one and done pick for this week. No, his pick actually he says he says that you know if. Uh, he would have taken James Hahn. This is back a few weeks ago. Oh, okay. And then if James Hahn wins it all, I owe him some swag from Augusta. So that, whatever, that was a whole different thing. Oh, I was re- I was really hoping uh, he was making you take James Hahn. I felt like I'd get a leg up on you there, but maybe not. No, but I like James Hahn, actually. Yeah, this I don't, week. but okay, yeah. I, I think you're better off with Kisner for sure. No, so. Kiz is going to be my one and done, thanks to Ryan. We'll see how that pl- plays out. And actually, my one and done last week with Spieth wasn't too bad. Yeah, yeah, way better than bad day. So, T20. Awesome. That's what I do. All right. Thanks for listening to the Tour Junkies podcast. We did the best we could. For the week after Masters, I think we did the best we could. Big shout out to William Lanier for coming on the podcast. He told us we could use him anytime. We'll be leveraging William in the future weeks. So, hope you guys enjoyed that one as well. May your screens be green for the RBC Heritage. See ya! Lowe's knows you'll do it right to find the right gifts for Dad this Father's Day. We do it right, too, with deals that'll make Dad as proud as his perfectly seared steak and his perfectly manicured lawn. Now get a Charbroil 4-Burner Advantage Series gas grill for just $169 and pick up your choice of Craftsman gas or electric string trimmer for only $99 each. Make this Father's Day his best one yet and do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Charbroil offer valid through 612, Craftsman offer valid through 619, U.S. only. Napa know-how. At Napa Auto Parts, you can get $25 or more off brand new DeWalt power tools by trading in your old ones. You know those worthless tools you never use anymore? Yeah, those dusty things can actually save you at least $25 on new DeWalt power tools. Hmm, not so worthless after all. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores, while supplies last. Offer ends 63019.